This is Ion Foxborough, the premier podcast for all things New England Patriots. Brought to you by Mass Live. Welcome back to Ion Foxborough. Chris Mason, Mark Daniels, Karen Gurigian. We are currently in the convention center uh, in Indy. Another day of the combine. I don't even know what day it is. They all start to run together at a certain point. But the news of the day, the Patriots quarterback situation and their plan moving forward is starting to crystallize. Mark, you want to dive into it? Sure. You know, from, say, at the combine, we've spent a lot of this week talking to different sources uh, around the league about what the Patriots might do, what they will do, at, you know, at number three in the draft, but also with the most important position on the roster. And what we're hearing is that at this point, the expectation is the Patriots will draft a quarterback at number three. I don't think that's surprising, guys, because as we've been talking about a lot, there are three very good quarterback prospects in this draft with Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels. However, that's not all. Um, as it turns out, the Patriots are planning on essentially redoing their quarterback depth chart. So not only will they likely add a rookie at number three, the plan is to sign a veteran quarterback. Now, that'll give them the option to start that veteran quarterback if they don't deem that the rookie's ready. Um, and that's sort of in line with the Green Bay Packers have done. And Karen, the reason that's pertinent is because Elliot Wolf, who sort of grew up with the Packers, is now running the show. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they've, you know, obviously put together, uh, formed, a, you know, their beginning plan to kind of attack how they're going to revitalize and revamp the Patriots team. And, you know, I actually I like the process or, or what we've been hearing. You know, basically, they uh, they like any of the three quarterbacks up, you know, at the top. And in and there's intel to back the fact that um, those three quarterbacks could all be potentially franchise quarterbacks. So, you know. By our guess, it's it will be either Jaden Daniels or Drake May, and either one uh, should, you know, fit the Patriots' need. But at the same time, they don't want to rush that quarterback into into action and, unless he's ready. And to protect against that, they're gonna they'll sign a veteran that they think is capable, you know, to kind of be the stopgap until that quarterback is ready. And I think that's kind of the most encouraging part of this development is that it seems like they're approaching this rebuild with clear eyes. And they're like, it's not next year is not going to be the return to contention. It's going to take a little time. But if they do it the right way and they build a strong foundation and if they treat this rookie quarterback right, bring him into the league the right way and actually develop him, I think you have a much better chance of sustained success and long term viability than you do if you're just, oh, we took a quarterback at three. So we've got to start him week one. I just don't think that works. You make a great point. And really what it'll come down to is, let's let's be honest, we're talking about hypothetical situations. And in the event the Patriots draft a quarterback, which we think they will, if he is good enough to start, let's be honest, guys, they will start him. I think an example happened last year with C.J. Stroud. You mean the Houston Texans were in no way going to sit C.J. Stroud because he was amazing. He was a pro bowl, pro bowler already as a rookie. So, like, the Patriots say select Jaden Daniels at number three, and he's phenomenal. Yeah, he'll start. But I think, as Chris said, they don't want to rush this situation. They're not going to just throw him out there because they have to. So in the event it's, say, someone like Jacoby Brissett or Joe Flacco, Karen, the Patriots would have a short-term stopgap to allow that guy to develop. I do want to ask you this, Karen. Are there other 
Let's talk about the veteran quarterbacks they could add. There are two guys I just mentioned, Jacoby Brissett and Joe Flacco. What are your thoughts on them? And are there any other guys that sort of stick out to you? Well, there might be other guys, but I think you also have to consider uh, the new coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball. And it, it's understandable that Alex Van Pelt, the offensive coordinator, would, especially if you, you have a veteran coming in, uh, is some someone that he's comfortable with, has worked with, and had success with. And I think we saw they, they basically hired Joe Flacco off the street. The Browns did last year after going through a bunch of quarterbacks after Deshaun Watson went down. And Flacco went four and one in, in the final five games, basically to get them in the playoffs. I mean, he flamed out big time in in the uh, wild card playoff game, but he was he was good uh, in in down the stretch, and he's the reason basically the Browns were able to to survive not having Deshaun Watson. I mean, if he comes into this situation, he's a free agent. Um, and as uh, as one writer from the <laughs> covering the Browns, Mary Kay Cabot told me, uh, Flacco and Van Pelt were magic together. So hey, bring Flacco in for a bit, let him be magic at the beginning of the season, or until. You know, said rookie quarterback is ready. I also like Jacoby Brissett. I actually prefer Jacoby Brissett in this setting. He's younger. Um, I I just think you know he's been here. He understands the culture. He he understands the situation. Kind of being a, a career backup quarterback. Uh, you know who's you know been a starter before too. So if I had my druthers, it, it would be Jacoby. And I, and Chris, I think we should also mention the reason we're bringing up these players is because of the connections. Alex Van Pelt, um, new Patriots offensive coordinator, and the quarterbacks coach, T.C. McCartney, have worked with both of them. So Joe Flacco, he was there at Cleveland last year with both McCartney and Van Pelt. But also T.C. McCartney was Joe Flacco's quarterback coach in Denver in 2019. And then you have Jacoby Brissett, who worked with both of them in 2022 in Cleveland. So there is some familiarity there. Agreed. And I think ultimately it kind of depends on what you want this role to be, where I think Jacoby Brissett, we all agree, is a better quarterback right now. And I, I don't think it's terribly close. But if you're looking for more of a better mentor, that seems to be more like Flacco, right? As a guy who actually won a Super Bowl and has done it, where I think Brissett's a better quarterback right now, but he also hasn't really won anything in the league. So I don't know who would be better to hold the rookie quarterback's hand. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I think I'm with both of you and Brissett, but I could see the argument towards a Flacco type on the other side of it yeah and maybe there's there's one other name we could bring up here that i i don't think is going to happen but the other only other quarterback who has connections with both these guys is baker mayfield he was drafted in cleveland uh on a regime that included elliot wolf and alonzo highsmith both who are in the patriots front office and he was you know he's he's worked with alex van pelt and he's worked with ben mcadoo who are both on the Patriots staff the kicker with ben, baker mayfield though karen is money it's going to cost you probably over 20 million dollars now the point of having a rookie, a rookie quarterback and sort of a veteran stopgap is that you actually save money on the cap. So like right. you won't be giving saving. twenty million dollars to Baker doesn't right. make sense in my opinion. Right, and and he isn't going to settle, especially to come play with a rebuild rebuilding team. You know, yeah. he he was just in the playoffs and had a nice run with Tampa Bay. Um, they're expected to re-sign him, but if they don't, I 
even though he might like the coaching staff, I, I think again, his, his eyes would probably be more on a team that's more in contention right away. Yeah. I mean, I think for Baker to be a possibility, his market would totally have to crater and it would just have to disappear. Um, I don't really see it happening. I think that he's probably going to stay in Tampa either way. Yeah. Somebody's going to pay him more money than the Patriots would. I don't think he's a great fit, but it's also interesting that Ben McAdoo is on the Patriots staff now as a senior offensive analyst. And he did not like Baker at all. When he wrote that list of the draft prospects, mm-hmm. he was last of all of the, I think he had seven guys on that list. Yeah, you know, 2018. He, yeah. 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously went number one overall and McAdoo thought he was the seventh best quarterback in that class. So mm-hmm. He's on the payroll here, too, now. I don't know. I don't see it. And I think we should also mention, too, that with the Patriots in the Combine, they are meeting with the top quarterback prospects. Um, They're meeting with Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix. And really, Karen, over the next couple of months, it'll be up to them to sort of deduce who they like. Now, they might not exactly have a choice, right, because Washington and Chicago will likely take two quarterbacks. But out of everything we've heard about – you know, Alex Van Pelt and sort of the Patriots direction. Do you think there's a preference between Jaden Daniels and Drake May? Does it matter? You know, I'm not just kind of listening to uh, Alex Van Pelt talk about, you know, we, you know, we were prying, trying to get, well, what's your offense going to be like? What's, you know, what's going to be based around? And his answer I thought was pretty telling is basically he's going to shape and tailor the offense around the, the personnel they bring in, number one being the quarterback. I I think Drake May and um <clears throat> and Jaden Daniels have similar traits, but I think Daniels is much more of a mobile running court. He's a running quarterback, whereas Drake May only runs out of, you know, necessity. He's he can run, he can he, you know, but he's more of a pocket passer with a with a great arm. Uh and Daniels is more of a playmaker type quarterback, yeah. whether he does it with his legs or his arm. Well, and it's also interesting, too. The Browns just moved on from Van Pelt because they wanted a dual threat specialist to work with Deshaun Watson. So then what, what does that say if you immediately bring Jaden Daniels in here? I don't think like Van Pelt couldn't adapt, but clearly that's not his expertise. And that's why the Browns moved on from him. I think you could make an argument that Drake May would be the best fit with Alex Van Pelt and what he wants and the type of system he runs. I mean, listen, he he did a great job with Joe Flacco, who's, a, you know, a big, tall guy who throws, you know, the ball a mile. Well, that's sort of Drake May in a sense. He's 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and he can throw the ball 80 yards. He's just a little bit more athletic and has obviously a much higher ceiling than a 39-year-old uh backup quarterback would also this guy is i i did ask about the quarterback meetings the patriots have had and i was told they've all been impressive but that was also with the caveat that like listen these guys are experienced they're coached up they all have good people working with them and we kind of expected them to be impressive but from what i've understood these 15 20 minute meetings the patriots have come away saying yeah you know these these seem like good guys but this is only a small part in the process, right, Karen? So from here, you have pro days, you have Zoom meetings, you have pre-draft visits. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see how you know it plays out for all three of these guys when we're talking about the top three picks in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And I think it's, you know, the, the Patriots might have a, a favorite going in of the, the two guys that, you know, we think will be there at three. But, you know, between, again, all these meetings with them, the pro days, you know, that could also shift as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, there's some more news that we had today, too. And that was 
tandem effort between you guys that uh, Kyle Duggar has been offered a deal right now. Do you want to shed a little more insight into where things might be? Well, I, I think the Patriots, uh, you know, both Gerard Mayo, uh, well, Gerard Mayo for one talked about uh, a couple of guys on the roster, you know, that he considers cornerstone pieces or cornerstone. Mike Onwenu was one of them. Mm -hmm. Kyle Duggar was another one. And I think, you know, if we're reading them correctly, they they really want to resign. These these are two guys they're prioritizing uh, to sign. And in Duggar's case, um, there have been talks between the two sides. The Patriots have actually made an offer. And, you know, it's possible that they, they'll get something done before uh, free agency officially kicks in. Um, but if not, I, I still think... Uh, you know, maybe they'll let him experience free agency since it's his first time. Uh, but it's sounding pretty good that they'll be able to bring him back. Yeah, I think the Patriots have made it clear to Kyle that he's a priority for him and they want him to be, you know, part of this new culture going forward. And so right now, as Karen said, there is an offer on the table and it's uncertain that Kyle will hit free agency. It starts on March 11th. That is the, quote, legal tampering period in the NFL. But if the Patriots continue to work with him and, you know, meet what his market demand is, then I don't think Kyle will enter free agency. But at this point, that's sort of how the game works, right, guys? Because, Chris, the combine teams are gauging what they are. I'm, I'm sorry, teams and agents are sort of gauging, you know, what, what their players could be worth. So really, if the Patriots want Kyle, they're going to have to step up and give him an offer that, frankly, he can't refuse. Do you think they should let him test free agency? Because at a certain point. I don't really think so. If you like the player this much, you know, I don't I don't love the like, OK, go see what's out there and then come back because I think they're going to have to overpay if that happens. And there's a chance that, you know, he says he likes it. He says he wants to test free agency. There are some teams that probably have a better shot to win this year. They mm. could offer him more money, maybe a better uh, NFL PA type um, settings, you know, better mm. facilities, better everything. <laughs> the grass might be greener somewhere else if he goes out there. So I think if you really want to keep him, lock that up before free agency even starts. I would say, yeah, I agree. I think the Patriots should lock up Kyle and lock up Michael Wenu. Um, and as we need to get into right now, Gerard Mayo once said the Patriots have cash to burn. Well, a great way to do that is to re-sign your own guys. And Elliot Wolf said they, he wants the Patriots to be a team that drafts, develops, and re-signs its own talent. Well, great way to do it is to extend Kyle Duggar and Michael Wenu. But, Karen, another story that you had this morning was that Gerard Mayo walked back his comments saying that he had the Patriots had some cash to burn. I would uh, love to hear your take and I think, you know, why did, why did Gerard sort of take a step back from that? Yeah, well, I, that's interesting. You know, he said he misspoke when he said that, but he was, you know, really excited by uh, the, the cap space they had and what they, you know, what they could potentially spend. Uh, but perhaps, you know, taking the long view now, like sitting back and taking the long view you know, if if you wanted to, you know, quickly try and get back into playoff contention, you know, you spend money or overspend on the top free agents to bring them in and perhaps put you over the top. Problem is the Patriots aren't anywhere near that position right. of being a player or two away where you would overspend to bring somebody in to put you in that. This is a rebuild and it it doesn't make sense to them to overspend 
when they have, again, so many holes to fill. They have a quarterback to develop. And I think they they will, I think where their spending is going to come in will be on their own in-house free agents and perhaps a couple of targeted, you know, perhaps a wide receiver, a tight end, something like that. But if people are expecting them to do what they did a few years back and just, you know, blow the wad and bring all these guys in, yippee, we got all, we spent all this money. I think, I I don't want to say it's a conservative approach, but it might be a more measured big picture approach. Yeah. It made all the sense in the world to me that he's walked that back a little, because if you look at it statistically, teams that go bananas in free agency, it does help that that year they are better, but then they usually regress quite a bit in the second year. And you saw that in new England with the 2021 team, you know, They make the playoffs. They still get their doors blown off, but then they're worse in 2022 and they bought them out in 2023. This has happened across the league in a lot of different places when that happens. Mm-hmm. So I think by Mayo, like backing this up a little, it's really philosophically in line with the quarterback plan that we have laid out, right? Where he doesn't, he they're not going to contend in 2024 in a real way, but if they do this right in 2025, they could. So just spending all of this money for the sake of doing it on players they don't love doesn't make sense because cap space right. carries over too. And that's not to say that they shouldn't spend money and spending money is bad. Like that is dumb. And there are guys out there that I still think they should prioritize like a Calvin Ridley, you know, mm-hmm. who's 29, but played five games over two of those seasons total. So probably fresher legs than most 29 year olds in the league. Right. I think there are smart ways to do this, but Mayo walking those comments back just seems like an indicator to me that they're going to be pragmatic in this rebuild. And I think they understand that, as Chris said, they're not going to win a Super Bowl next year. They're probably not going to contend next year. So it is a longer view. But I think the worst thing you could do when you have cap space is spend it on players who don't aren't really worthy of the contract. You know, you look back at like, you know, thoughts to throw Nelson Aguilar under the bus, but the two-year $22 million deal the Patriots gave them, it wasn't great. I mean, you need to sign players if they fit what you want in the culture and if they are, you know, worthy of those deals. And truthfully, the Patriots need a receiver and they need tackles. And the free agent market currently isn't deep for top-end receivers. There's probably going to be one, Calvin Ridley. And with tackles, it's Michael Wenu, Trent Brown, a 33-year-old with Tyron Smith, and then um, the guy out in uh, Cincinnati, Jonah Williams. It's That tackle class isn't deep. So, like, the Patriots can't pay someone $15 million a year, Karen, if, you know, they're not worth worth it. So, frankly, I, I thought what Gerard said to you, it made a lot of sense, and it gives me, I'd say, an, opt, uh, an optimistic outlook, you know, for the Patriots' future. Yeah, and, and he essentially backed that up by saying, yeah, you spend all this money and you get this guy, this guy, this guy, that guy. But then what happens to you the next year and the year after? You know, is that a is that quick fix going to last? And what they're trying to build here is is sustained success, which is what Bill Belichick had uh, all those years um, with Tom Brady. So they're looking, as I said, longer term. They're trying to build build a team that will provide sustained success and blowing the wad on or overpaying for free agents right this minute is not is not the answer in their in their view i agree so i think at this point we kind of all understand the vision right we'll see if they can execute it but from where we're standing right now it's like okay i see what they're going to do in the coming months i think it makes sense if they can execute it the right way yeah i mean 
great plans are great plans, but if, if you don't execute it properly, you're back to square one. Right. All right. Thanks for following along all week, guys. We appreciate it. We'll catch you further on down the trail. This has been Ion Foxborough, brought to you by Mass Live. <laughs>